Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Luke, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and it's great to be with all of you this morning. Um, Last week, we started a sermon series uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, and we had our former associate pastor, Wes, from South Africa to California to now living in Portland with us, and we spent some time just kind of having a conversation, and um, we're going to continue that today and you know i wanted to share a couple of reasons why we were diving into this topic uh for just a for a season i think we're going to probably spend some time talking about who the spirit is and some of the activities of the holy spirit for june and july and the reason why we did that um just to kind of bring you up to speed as to why we you know are sensing this uh the first thing is that we actually just some of our leaders were praying and we really felt like the holy spirit was speaking to us to to spend some time talking about the spirit uh, and then an observation I've had over the last uh, probably three to five months is there's a lot of newer folks uh, in our church community, new to Jesus and new to maybe church, that are asking a lot of questions about who is the Holy Spirit and how do I, how do I um, you know, become more aware of what the Spirit does and just a lot of questions about his activities. And so, uh, so prayer, having conversations, and, you know, really when it comes down to it, when we think about our church's identity, one thing that you need to know about our church is that I think on behalf of 30 years of church history, we've always been a church that's committed to, to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We really believe that that's important. Going back to our previous pastor, uh, Steve Agarda, and, and his, uh, his community, and then the last six years uh, as Don and I have been here. And I think it's important because it's part of our church's identity. You know, we really, uh, when I think about what we are, is I think we are people who are, who are concerned about being in God's presence, and I think that we are wanting to be people who are empowered by the Spirit, and then I think also we want to be able to do the stuff, you know, in our in our church's community, we do not believe that just talking about faith is the important thing, we really believe that we're supposed to put our faith into practice, and so those are kind of some things that have been guiding us, and and this week I've been thinking a little bit about, about you know, the Spirit, and, and it seems like in some ways... Uh, when the topic of the Holy Spirit comes up, if you've been in church around, it can get a little weird. And and really, I was thinking about what is the goal? Like, what am, what am I hoping to accomplish over the next few uh, few weeks, next several months? I, I really want us to be able to normalize our experiences of the Spirit. Because I have found um, that for whatever reason, a lot of us don't realize that God is at work until we spend time thinking about it in our lives. And then sometimes we might think we're either crazy because we had some type of experience and we don't realize that these things happen for other people. In, in fact, I, I mean, just doing a quick poll right now, just, just out of curiosity, how many of you would, would by, by raising your hand, you would say, yeah, I've had some type of unexplainable spiritual experience in my life, just out of curiosity. Okay, you're all weird. That's what that proves, right? But I mean, it's not weird because in many ways, it's actually more common and more normal than we realize. And so that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping to kind of demystify the Holy Spirit, even though the Holy Spirit is mysterious. And so there's a certain part where we have to realize, we have to realize that God is God. But at the same time, too, I think it's not weird to experience God's presence and power. So that's really the heart behind what we're doing. So before we uh, spend some time thinking about what it looks like to be people of the Spirit, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. And this is from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where the Apostle Paul is writing to a church in the city of Galatia, and he's basically trying to uh, correct their their theology because they had started believing some things that were just contrary to the the good news about who Jesus was. 
And so this is what we read in Galatians 3, uh, verses 1 through 5, which establishes that the Holy Spirit was regularly at work in the early church. Paul writes these words. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Uh, I think that it's important to pull up this passage of Scripture because really what Paul says here is that all followers of Jesus receive the Spirit. He says, if you have believed the message you heard about Christ, you receive the Spirit. And so he says, all followers of Jesus receive the Spirit. He also says that the Holy Spirit and miracles go together. They go together. And then I also think it's interesting, though, because these these things that we see right here are so clear, in my opinion, in Galatians 3. And yet there's some church communities that would say, you know, not every Christian has the Holy Spirit. It's only certain people who have the Holy Spirit. And not only do only certain people have the Holy Spirit, miracles aren't something that we should expect. And God doesn't do these supernatural things. And so I think not only that, we also have to acknowledge that when it comes to the topic of the Spirit, in some circles, churches get super weird just for the sake of being weird. I had this guy who I knew um, who was from the country of Pakistan, and he moved to the U.S., and he started attending this church. He got invited to this, to this, to this Pentecostal church, and he showed up, and they were like, oh, you're a Muslim. And he was like, Yes. I am a Muslim. And they said, well, great. We need to pray for you. <laughs> and so they invited him to come forward. And he was like, had never been in church his whole entire life. And he was standing up front and all 300 people in church gathered around him and started, started like praying for him. And they're like, okay, so, you know, you need to get saved right now. And he's like, okay, what does that mean? And he just said, just, just do what we say. And they started praying for him and praying for him. And he was just like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, all these people started screaming and shouting in different languages. And if you've been around these type of churches, you'll know that speaking in tongues is one of these spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about. But he had no idea what any of this was. So he's sitting there, and he's just like, oh, my gosh. And they're, like, doing it. And they're like, okay, now you need to speak in tongues. And he's like, how do I do that? And they're like, just do it. (laughs) And he's like, okay. And so he's waiting, and it was like 40 minutes. And so finally, he just started speaking in Pakistani. And everybody was like, he's got the spirit. He's good to go. And he, he never, ever went back to that church. And he, but he showed up at our, our church, I think, a few months later, and he was telling me the story, and I was just like, <laughs> so sorry. But it was, it was interesting, though, because what happened in his experience is that he, it may have been, there may have been, Holy Spirit activity happening, and yet it was it was packaged in a way that was unaccessible for him, and he had no explanation for it. And I just remember hearing that story thinking, wow, that raises some really interesting questions. So for a minute here, I, I want us to wrestle with an important question for us as a church community. Who is the church for? Like, just think about that question. Who is the church for? 
You know, because how we answer this question affects the way that we do church as well. It affects the way that we, we carry out our church services. It affects the way that we, we operate as a church community. Um, and I, I really believe that being welcoming and being hospitable are important questions for us to wrestle with based off of this question, who is the church for? And so, I mean, there's a lot of Christians who wrestle with this question and there's pastors who are like, the church is for the church. It's all about the church. We just need to really have a lot of meat and have a lot of like really intense Bible studies and make sure that everybody in here has every book of the Bible memorized. That's who the church is for. And so everything is almost inaccessible for anybody who's maybe new to the church or who is not a Christian. And then there's other churches who are like, we're only about non-church people. And so we're just going to keep it really super surfacy and we're not going to ever talk about more challenging or difficult things. But Paul actually gives us a really good answer and a clue to this question of who the church is. And in a minute here, you're going to understand why this plays into our theology and practices of the Spirit. But Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, this is in a context where he's talking about the gift of tongues, which we just talked about, and the gift of prophecy. And he says this. He says, even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things, i.e. spiritual gifts, If they come into your church meeting and they hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy, right? But if all of you are prophesying, which Paul defines earlier as simply sharing something that strengthens, encourages, and comforts people. He says, if all are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts are exposed, and they will fall on their knees and worship God, declaring, God is truly here among you. And so I think this text here actually kind of shows that there's three types of people in the church building on a regular basis. There's three types of people. There are people who understand. There are people who are new and maybe don't understand. And then there's possibly unbelievers in the room. And so because of these three Uh, People, because of this awareness, if we're asking the question of who church is for, I want to be really clear on the behalf of our church community. Church is for everyone. Amen? It's for everyone. Like, we want to be a church community where someone can be a Christian for 85 years and, and, and be able to thrive in our environment, but also have people who are maybe... New to, the, new to the church, and then people who are unbelievers who are exploring. I hope our church community would be a place for all of those people uh, to be able to feel welcomed. And so because of, of our awareness of this, this commitment and our desire to be people who are serious about the Holy Spirit and yet who are also serious about welcoming, being welcoming and hospitable, we have a really important vineyard value that we need to talk about for a few minutes. And so when I think about doing Holy Spirit stuff, This phrase always comes to mind, the phrase being naturally supernatural, naturally supernatural. So if we, if we just take a moment here to think about our church and the big picture, if you like history, this might be interesting to you, but, um, you know, our, our church, our church community, the vineyards is a part of a a denomination, a movement. There's about 3000 other vineyard churches all across the U S. Okay. And, and our, our church community essentially kind of sprang up in the late 70s and early 80s. And it was connected to Calvary Chapel. Many of you know Calvary Chapel. We were connected to Calvary Chapel. And the Vineyard's always been this movement that's trying to, to thread the needle between two traditions primarily. Evangelical churches, which are primarily known for their commitment to the Bible, 
in charismatic churches, which are really focused on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And so some people will say, well, are you a Bible church or are you a spirit church? Vineyards say, yes, we are both of those things. We want to embrace both of those things. And so what happens is, is for a long time in church history, um, a lot of churches kind of stopped emphasizing the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. Spirit was neglected. And if you study church history, you can see that in systematic theologies all throughout the Reformation and, prior, and up until the last probably 100 years. Not a lot of emphasis on the Spirit. And so what happens is in 1901, a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens in, in California, in Southern California. And that launches what becomes the Pentecostal tradition. And so the Pentecostal tradition rediscovers in many ways things that have kind of been overlooked throughout most of church history. And then by the 1960s, another tradition started called the charismatic tradition. And the charismatic tradition was essentially a bunch of mainline denominations, Methodists and Lutherans and Roman Catholics, who also discovered uh, more about the Holy Spirit. In our church tradition, the vineyard kind of comes out what's called the third wave. And it was like in the 1980s, essentially, there are all these evangelicals who were like, hey, the Bible actually teaches us a lot about how to do this Holy Spirit stuff. And so that's kind of where we find ourselves. And so to kind of think about being charismatic, um, I always tell people I'm charismatic, but I'm a charismatic with a seatbelt on. Okay? And what I mean by that is that I am all, all about wanting the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, folks, I... What, what Jennifer shared today, just what she was basically saying, essentially, is that when she went through one of the darkest moments in her life, the Holy Spirit's presence not only sustained her to be able to make it, the Holy Spirit also was making a difference in the lives of people around her, right? Right? Would you all agree that we could use more of that? Right? We need more of the Holy Spirit. So I want to just go on record. I want more of the Holy Spirit's power and presence in our gatherings. But I do have a seatbelt on, and it's called the Bible. Meaning the Bible has to give us direction and guidance in how we carry out our charismatic practices, so to speak. And so I, I love this value of naturally supernatural. It just means so much to me because I have found that in certain charismatic traditions, it's like we have to be weird for the sake of being weird. Like I, I've been at meetings where every single time somebody feels like they have a word from the Lord, they all of a sudden start speaking in King James English. And uh, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, you know, hey, I have a prophetic word for you. Thus saith the Lord, thy God sinneth. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I think the whole idea of being naturally supernatural is in the same way that you would say, hey, pass the salt, is the same way that we'd say, hey, can I pray for you? Oh, you're sick? I'd like to pray for you. So naturally supernatural is a really important value for us as a community. And I want to tell you a couple reasons why I think this is important for us as a church community. Why being naturally supernatural matters for our church. The first thing is this. It really is connected to our desire to partner with the Holy Spirit. I mean, being naturally supernatural is like we go about our days in the natural, mundane routines of life. And we're always keeping our eyes and our ears open for what God might be doing in every situation we're in. Because we want to partner with God. And join him in his mission. And so, like, for example, I think in a naturally supernatural approach to, to being a follower of Jesus, it means that when you go out to lunch or if you go, if you're out, you know, walking around stores and you have an interaction with somebody and you sense that God is opening up a door, you can actually offer to pray for somebody. I mean, like, six of the most important words that we can all 
learn six words is can I pray for you now? And if we just get just get to the point where we feel comfortable with that, we don't have to be super, super over-the-top spiritual. Uh, a second reason why I think being naturally supernatural matters for our church community is because our practices, if we do this right, they're easy to replicate. I, I mean, when I was growing up, I remember, like, uh, watching television preachers, okay? And, like, i turn on the TV when I was at a... You know, I was at a hotel or something, and it was like the TV station would come on, and it's like every television preacher had a really shiny suit on. You all know what I'm talking about? And they always, every one of them has a watch that doesn't fit. It's like a jing. I'm like, I've, I've got to get a watch like that. You know? And it's like, but when they, when they like are doing ministry time, it's like they turn into like Southern, every one of them, you know? Like they're from the Midwest, and all of a sudden... They turn into southern preachers, and they, they just are over the top. And I remember watching that, and I'm like, man, I just could never do that. I'm never going to be the guy that gets up and is like transforms into a southern Baptist preacher with my voice change and then slapping people in the face in church. I'll do that outside of the church, but not in church. Like, that's just too much, right? It was, it was like I just couldn't replicate that. And, and so our, our tradition, the vineyard, has always said, listen— when, when it comes to praying for people, we don't have to be weird for the sake of being weird. Are you with me? Like, we don't have to be weird for the sake of being weird. We can totally be empowered by the Holy Spirit and do the stuff, and we can do it in a supernatural way. So in the same way that you would say, pass the salt, you can say, I'd like to pray for you. And so our practices, I think, in this model are, are easier to replicate, where anybody can pray for the sick. We believe that anybody can hear from God. And we want to model it in ways that are accessible to people. And so that's why most of the time we really want to try to do things in a way that that would actually live that out with people. And so we we will actually intentionally um, try to keep things understandable and accessible. The third reason why I think naturally supernatural matters for us is because equipping is important to us. I mean, Jesus says over and over again to his disciples, he's like, model your ministry after me, he teaches them, he, he demonstrates things. We also see this all the time in, in the ministry of Paul. Paul actually says that church leaders in Ephesians 4 are, are actually given as gifts to the church to train the church to be able to do ministry. And, and the reason why equipping is important to us is because we believe with all of our hearts that everyone here gets to play. Everybody. Like, we are not a church community where it's like only a certain select group of people get to participate in things. And I'm just going to say this. I think what that means is that sometimes our church is going to feel real clunky. And what I mean by that is, like, we have people that are stepping out for the first time, and they might be sharing something, or they might be leading something, and, and, and we're developing, and we're growing, and we're trying to get people to where they can actually live out their calling. Our church community actually believes that we're called to plant churches. And so we planted a church a few years ago, Nikki. Walter, who some of you know, she was here for a long time, and then she, you know, over the course of time felt like the Lord was inviting her to plant a church in her home. And then she, she sold everything, and her and her husband and their two kids left Red Bluff, abandoned us, I say it all the time, and then they went and planted their church. But isn't that what we want more of? Right? We want more people to be trained up and equipped. And I just feel like being naturally supernatural is a really important part of this component to where we can show that that pretty much all these things, if you have a desire and if you have a calling, God will take care of the rest. God will take care of the rest. 
So who is the Holy Spirit for? The Holy Spirit is for everyone. And as I've been thinking about this the last few weeks, um, one thing that I really love about our church community is I feel like our holy our, our our theology of the Spirit is mature enough to realize that the Holy Spirit is for two types of people, introverts and extroverts. Amen? So think about that for a minute. Like I grew up I grew up in a church community where it was like the louder and weirder you were, the more rewarded you were. It's like if you could make sure to run around in circles and I'm hoping my mom's not watching this right now, but my mom was the banner lady at our church. Okay? Don't clap. I need therapy. Okay? She liked me bannering it up and doing dances up front. I was like, oh my gosh, you know. And it's like I told you last week, I remember driving to church with friends and I'd be praying that the Holy Spirit would not show up. I mean, seriously, this is for real. I, I'm real talk. I'd be like, Lord, just, you, we don't need you today. We do not, just Jesus. Jesus is good. Spirit, stay home. And it was because I was in this environment that was fostering, I, I think, I don't think it was intentional. I loved all those people dearly. They made a huge impact in my life. But it was fostering this environment and this culture where it was like, in order to be spiritual, you had to be kind of extroverted. And it, so the question was, well, what if you're an introvert? Does God love introverts? Guess what? I'm here to let you know he loves introverts. He does. He loves introverts. And what I've really been thinking about for the last six years here in our community is, can we have a space? Can we foster a community that values being a place where people can be external in their expressions and can be extroverts? As well as they're sitting, maybe they're right next to a person who are more introspective and God is speaking to them in in a different way. Like, that's why we need to really buy into this. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. Amen? For everyone. And so... I just have learned, um, partly because I'm married to an extreme introvert, extreme, but I'm positive she hears from the Holy Spirit way more than I do, right? And it's like we need to have a community where both of those people, I think, those types of people are, are able to function. And this is why I think being naturally supernatural is one of our values, because the way that God created you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, is totally okay. You do not have to become an extrovert to be a person who is committed to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me say that again. You do not have to become an extrovert in order to be committed to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So I have two examples really quick, and then we're going to spend a couple minutes prayer. My own life where, where I, I mean, I've been like chasing, I've been chasing understanding the, the work of the Spirit for most of my life. Because I've been around charismatics all the time. And sometimes I'm like, man, I'm one of you. And then other times I'm like, I am definitely not one of you. I'm just trying to figure it out. But, but I had two experiences with the Holy Spirit in my life that like significantly shaped me into who I am today. One was I was like about 26 years old, maybe, maybe 25. I think I was maybe 25 years old. And I went to this conference. And some of you may have heard this story. But I remember going to this conference, and I, I kind of got dragged to it with my mom and my dad and, and some friends of theirs. And, and I went, and I was at that time really trying to figure out my calling in life. Like I had gone, I had, um, I had an undergrad degree in theology, and then I was in seminary at the time, but I was like, oh, I'm not, what am I going to do with that? And I went to this conference, and I was, I was at these sessions, and there's all this music and worship. And how many of you know when you go to a conference, it's like super intense? Right? It's just like, man, you're like cloud nine. I'm like, oh, man, 
which is pretty cool. And, and I, I went to this meeting, though, and it was the most unspiritual meeting of all meetings of all time. It was like this, this meeting just to talk about this, this school that was starting. I was like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll transfer. And I was sitting in this meeting, and I'm just sitting there. I'm, I'm, I think I'm fairly normal. I want to just say that right now. I know that some of you don't believe me, but I am, okay? Fairly normal. I'm not too weird. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm super skeptical generally, and I'm sitting there listening. And all of a sudden, I start just, like, weeping uncontrollably like weeping, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. What is happening to me right now? And I'm like, okay, I, I, what is going on? And so then I was like, well, these people are charismatic, and maybe someone's praying for me behind me, and I look behind me, there's like nobody there, and I'm just like, and it was like the most internal, overwhelming sense of God's love I've ever had in my life. Like, I was weeping. And it was like, in that moment, for the first time, and I was 25 years old, the first time ever I knew that God loved me more than anything I could ever imagine. And I also knew that God loved everybody else in that room in a way that I could never imagine. And I remember just being just, just wrecked. I was, an, I was an uncontrollable, sobbing mess. Like the Holy Spirit likes snot. That's what I learned. Okay? And I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? And and I remember, like, I got up, and I was just trying to, like, I was trying to interpret what was happening because it was something unique. That's why it was not just I had a bad day where I woke up and felt goosebumps. I mean, something was happening to me. And I remember I walked to the back of the room, and my mom was standing there, and I just was, like, weeping. And she's like, oh, isn't God's love good? I'm like, no, don't say that makes it worse. It's totally, I had pulled myself together. So I'm like totally wrecked. And I'm just like, I'm just, something is happening to me. And then we got in our car and we drove to this restaurant called Fuddruckers, which is just like this hamburger place. And everybody's ordering and I had to like go order. And I was like, I want to It's like so embarrassing. And I, and I sat down and, and I just remember sitting there and my, my mom and my dad and and this, these friends we went with who were pastors just started just, just ministering to me and just saying, you know, I just sense God's love for you. He just loves you so much. And I just remember being so just undone, like wrecked, wrecked by God's love, just wrecked by God's love. And then shortly after that, I'm reading Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, Paul says these words. He says, the reason why the Holy Spirit has been given to you is to pour the love of God into your hearts. That's why we need more of the Holy Spirit's presence, isn't it? We need more of God's love to be poured in our hearts. So that's just like an example of a very introspective, very introspective moment in my life where I just was totally wrecked by the soft, gentle presence of the Holy Spirit. And I want more of that. Second example. A few years later, I, I, I get invited to go to the country of Nepal. And what had happened is Nepal, some of you may have heard the story, but Nepal had just become a democratic country, meaning that it was a Hindu monarchy for like 500 years. No, very few Christians were able to go in. They, they become a democratic country, and like hundreds and hundreds of missionaries are rushing in. Like we're on this plane, and everybody's missionaries there. We go, and we're, we're just basically sharing the gospel with all these people who were Hindus and had never heard the gospel before. No concept of grace, just no concept of that. So we're there, and we, um, 
we end up having this, this couple that shows up to one of our meetings and they walked in and they just totally interrupted our meeting. Like it was just imagine right now somebody opened the door, was all loud and came walking in. And they came and they're like, hey, um, through interpreters that said, hey, we heard that there were some holy men and women here. And so we want you to pray for us and heal us because this, this lady has a brain tumor and she's going to die of a brain tumor. And I was like, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> just so we're clear. And, uh, and so we're like, all right, well, we'll pray for her. And so um, th- this couple, just to put them in context, they're, they're a Hindu couple, have zero connection to the church. They live in a village with no electricity. They don't have TVs, okay? They do not know about church things at all. And so they came forward and like, yeah, so you can heal us? And we're like, well, we can pray for you. We can ask Jesus to heal you. Okay. So we start praying and and we're praying, and I, and I feel like the Lord speaks to me and says, we need to pray that she would have the mind of Christ from Philippians chapter 2. So I just put my hand on her. I just am about to touch her forehead, and she flies back like 10 feet and just like lays on the ground. And then I was like, uh-oh, that's bad, I think. Is that bad? I didn't know what to do, you know? So we were praying, and, and so she's just laying there, totally laying there, and we're all kind of like not sure what to do. The uh, Nepali guy who had organized this whole thing walks back to us, and, and I'm like, yeah, so I prayed for her, and then she, like, maybe died. I don't know. And he's like, oh, okay, and he leans over and checks her pulse, and he's like, nope, she's fine. Let's go to lunch. I was like, okay, this is super weird, super weird. The next day, she comes back. They went to a doctor, and according to her testimony, she had no brain tumors in her, in, in her head anymore. She was, like, completely healed. And I was like, she was? Like, what? It, it happens? And, and so I just, my point is, is that the Holy Spirit works in really mysterious ways. And sometimes it's internal. And sometimes it's deep and it's something you don't even fully comprehend. You just know something's happening. In other ways, you're praying for somebody and somebody literally gets healed right in front of you. I mean, those things are all part of the works of the kingdom. Let's stand up together. I think for the next couple of um, weeks, what, I, what I'm really hoping we do is we spend a little bit of time looking at the Bible and kind of digging into these, these things that the, the Bible teaches about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. But I'm also wanting to just share some stories with you. And there's a lot of stories from people in our church community about how God has done some really incredible things. But what I'd love to do right now is let's just wait on the Holy Spirit for a moment and see what the Spirit might want to do right now. And so... In our, in our church tradition, we, we like to pray this historic prayer. It goes back for thousands of years. We say, come Holy Spirit. And then, uh, as you know, oftentimes we'll lift our hands just like this. And the reason why we do that is just to posture our hearts to say, yeah, we want to receive from you. So if you want to do that, you totally can do that. But, Father, we do pray for your Spirit to come right now. We welcome your Holy Spirit's presence right now. We do pray, come Holy Spirit.
so you can totally close your eyes if that makes if that's comfortable for you. But um, you know, I think in this space, I remember when I was a kid and, and this would be happening, and I was just like, "What's going on?" I just want to tell you what we're doing right now. Um, you know, what I think we're all doing, or many of us do, are doing in this room, is we're kind of like trying to hear from God right now because we believe that God can speak to us. And I'm just trying to maybe have a sense of what the Holy Spirit may want us to lean into just a little bit. And, and I had one thing that I just really felt like the Lord this morning was wanting me to encourage some of you with. I feel like um, there was a, a number of you that when we start talking about maybe leaning more into the work of the Spirit, maybe maybe setting aside more or, or centering our lives a little bit more on Jesus, like some of you get kind of almost like discouraged. It's like, oh, I just, I'm not there yet. I want to be, but I'm just not there yet. And, I, I, and maybe there's even this desire, I, I want to get into the Bible more. I just don't know where to start. And, and I want more of God's presence in my life. I want more of the Holy Spirit. And I just, oh, I'm just not doing it right. And, and I just want you to know that that in and of itself, the desire for more of God's kingdom is an evidence and is a work of the Holy Spirit. So you're receiving already what you want. It's already happening in your life right now. Just by your desire for more of God, that is activity. That's God activity. And so Holy Spirit, I pray right now for anybody in this room that's feeling discouraged, feeling disconnected, not feeling like they've, not feeling like that, that, that they're, quote unquote, they've arrived yet. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, you would just give them confidence to know that you are at work in their life. I just sense that there's um, places in people's hearts that, like, that God's been trying to press into. I, I see like visions of these closed doors, and, and Jesus is knocking on them. But there's a lot of fear, and He kept these doors closed for a really long time. And I just hear Him saying, He promises He'll be gentle as he tends to those wounds on your heart. You're never too young or too old to heal and receive the love and grace of God in those places that are locked away. I'm also sensing some really deep sorrow in the room. And I just want to encourage you that God is bigger then whatever it is, whatever mountain you're facing, he is bigger. And it's okay to be sad and scared. He is with you. 
And I just want to encourage you to rest in his arms. I think what we, you know, part of, part of us learning to respond uh, to the Holy Spirit is the part of responding to the Holy Spirit, which I know is kind of scary at times, but... Um, if you're here this morning, anything Jennifer just shared, if, that, if you identify, if there's some fears or like there's some areas in your life that you haven't received healing from, but you would like to receive healing from, um, if you would be willing to just be courageous for one minute here, just, just let us know by a show of your hand. Because we, we do want to pray for you this morning. Is there anybody that identifies with what Jennifer shared? Yeah? Okay, so here's what, just keep your hand up for one minute. Brave, brave, brave. You are awesome. Um, if you're around somebody who has their arm, their hand up, would you just put your hand on their shoulder right now? We're just going to pray for you right now. So if you needed prayer, Anthony is right here. Okay. So here's what, one more thing too. Um, Toby, I felt like the Lord wanted us to pray for you for a minute too. And I just had this sense, and I think this is more than just for Toby. Um, I felt like the Lord was kind of saying uh, that it's okay to be a man's man and to love Jesus. Like it's totally okay. Some of <laughs> Shannon's all good with that. <laughs> but uh, on a serious note, I think, you know, sometimes it's like in church, it's like this idea that you can't be a man's man and love Jesus. And that's not true. Amen. Amen. You can, you can fly fish and love Jesus. I looked into it. It's totally okay. But if you're here, and, th- and maybe that's just a, we, we, I think we should pray for you, um, Toby. Yeah, Cody, maybe go pray. Um, is there anybody else that, that just you need some encouragement with that at all? Just out of curiosity? Any men? Okay, Jennifer, would you pray for everybody? Yeah, Holy Spirit, would you come into those deep, deep places in our hearts right now? Or deep cries out to deep. Would you meet everybody right where they're at right now? Whether they're afraid, sad, discouraged, all of the above. Would you pour your love and your courage and your grace into those places? And I feel like he's saying... It's okay to be afraid. Maybe some of you believe that we can't be afraid because where scripture says that he didn't give us a spirit of fear. But sometimes really scary things happen and, and it's okay to be afraid. He's with you. And I, and I see that some of you may feel like you're drowning. You're, you're just doing everything you can to keep your head above water right now. And I just, I just hear him say, rest, rest in me. I am enough. Let me hold you. Let me hold you. So God, I pray that everyone right now that needs you in those places would feel your amazing presence, would leave today feeling encouraged, feeling hope, uplifted. And Lord, I uh, pray for Toby now and just any 
men in this room in particular, uh, just that you would help our identities to be centered on Jesus and that we would just remember that David, this man after your own heart in the Old Testament, was a, was a hunter and was a, was a strong man and, and yet also was tender before you. And so I pray that you help us to balance that. And then, Lord, I pray for everybody else in this room. I, I just pray now, God, that your love would be poured into the hearts of every person in this room that each person in this room would know the height, the width, the depth, and the length of your love, and that your love would ground us and transform us in a way that, that makes a difference in the world that we live in. And so I pray a blessing on each person in this room, and I thank you for what you've done this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, you have a great week, and if you need anything else, holler at one of us with one of these lanyards. <laughs>